to the uninitiated, secrets to the uninitiated, the parables of Matthew 13, Katamathion 13. Now, the last parable that we looked at, just in the last message, uh, in verse number 24, Matthew 13:24 said, He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also, because tares continually to stand up, because their, their false wheat or wild wheat uh, doesn't isn't heavy. The real wheat bends over, and you can tell the difference in them. And the slaves of the land overcame and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does this how does it have tares in it? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. Now the Lord Jesus Christ called out his church at the seashores of Galilee as we look up here at this chart. Satan began to work in that church right away with Judas Issacharyat, the treasurer of the church. The treasurer of that church betrayed the Lord himself. And he said, An enemy has done this. And the slave said to him, Do, do you want us to then go in and gather them up? Now, <clears throat> right in the beginning in the church, we have Judas Iscariot, a church member, uh, going astray and betraying his master. And now, not long after that, then the church has uh, many religious conflicts. The first religious conflict they had was with Judaism. Some of the Judea, some of the Jews uh, joined churches, but then they wanted to go back into Judaism and bring that into the church. And that was a problem. And, and, the, and the, mean, the whole meaning of that was that Satan was trying to contaminate God's churches. And enemy has done this, and the slave said to him, Do you want us to go out and take one? He said, No, unless, you, unless when you're gathering up the tares, you also root up the wheat with them. Allow both to go together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's look at this now. We, we looked at this parable a little bit before. and We're going to look at this parable, and he's going to... It's like a diamond has many facets. You polish one area of a diamond, then you polish another, until you have all of these beautiful faces, facets on this diamond. And a real good diamond, polished, will just have brilliance to it. Now, Satan is a diamond dealer. The Lord Jesus Christ prepared this beautiful diamond, his, his church. And Satan has absolutely complicated everything so bad that people in the world today don't even know what a true church is. Period. They grow up in Mormonism. They grow up in Jehovah Witness. They grow up in Catholicism. 
and they and they are so deceived by these systems, Buddhism, whatever you might call it. Baptists have always preached freedom of religion. They've always preached believer's baptism. The first colony in the United States or in the American colonies, the first colony in America, even though it was an English colony, that uh, believed in the freedom of religion was Rhode Island. Every other colony that was established was established by a state church. And everybody that lived in that colony had to tithe to the state and the state would provide their ministers with provisions and a home and etc. And whether you didn't believe in Catholicism or the Church of England or whatever, the pilgrims, you had to ties to that state. The Baptists tried to defer from this. In many ways, they were persecuted, they were killed, they were burned, they had their ears cut off, their nose cut off, they were blinded, they were, their tongues were pierced, their teeth were knocked out, they were put in stocks, they were baptized and dunked in a dunking chair in a river until they expired and drowned. All this happened to them. They were tried as witches, etc., The world and the church are at odds. And these parables is what's talking about that conflict, that war. It's a war. Then it says here, verse number 31, And he presented another parable to saying, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than many of the other, all the other seeds. Now it's talking about uh, like wheat and barley, etc. It's smaller than other seeds, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now we have here another parable but this parable is talking about strictly the tares not the wheat at all this is not any there's nothing good in this parable at all there's nothing good here this is all talking about evil now this man that went and sold field snowed this uh, mustard seed in the field is talking about Satan talking about Satan Now mustard seed, uh, when the when the the priest of the Catholic Church came into California, they they put this whole long strain line of missions, what they called missions. They were slave plantations, what they were. But how they marked their way is they threw out mustard seed a little bit, a little time, all the way down from San Diego all the way up into the northern part of California. And they followed the mustard tree, the, the mustard seed, the next time. That's real mustard seed. That's something that that's a plant. Now, this mustard seed here, this small mustard seed here, is, a, is the doctrines of Satan. 
the doctrines of Satan. This mustard seed here did not make a plant but made a tree. It is a monstrosity. This plant became a monstrosity. Now, as you go and you look in church history, you look and see the monstrosities. It's talking about false religion through the church age. That's what it's talking about. Another parable to them, and the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. There's nothing good in this parable again. Nothing good is in this. This mustard seed that becomes a tree is not anything good. That's all false religion. Catholicism stuck its ugly head up in 325 A.D. with Constantine the Great. And the Catholic Church, he declared the Catholic Church the state church. The state and the church became one. And he began to go out and conquer different areas and they would have to become... Become, they, they would have to be baptized, and they baptized by dipping, by the way, by immersion only. They baptized these people. They could even make a choice. You could have your throat cut or you could be baptized. Well, most people wouldn't say, well, just go ahead and cut my throat. What they do is they take people out in the river and they say out there with a sword, we're going to either dip you or cut your throat. One or the other will leave. If you want to confess... And become a Catholic, you can live. If not, we'll cut your throat and you can float down the river. And the river will turn red with your blood. And that was the story. And then here about uh, 578 AD, there was a, a person born. His name supposedly was Muhammad. And for... He was a pagan, by the way. Everybody were pagans there at that time. and uh, Probably he was born in uh, Petra or somewhere more around Petra. They said he was born in Mecca, but Mecca was nothing at that time. Historically, archaeology, you cannot prove anything uh, that Mecca even existed at that period of time, 570 A.D. He was born from the Korash family, which were supposed to be uh, the caretakers of the of the sanctuary there, where all the Arab tribes would come on the uh, safe months. Uh, there were safe months; they killed each other all the time. But during safe months, they, they could travel and go worship one of their gods, whichever one. There was 360 some odd gods there at Mecca. They said. Now. <coughs> There's a lot of controversy to this, but we'll just go along and just look at it as if the Muslims are somewhat right. And uh, in the Muslim world or in the Arab world, you have to have a benefactor or you get killed. If you don't have a benefactor, you are very much prey. You could be killed, you could be use as a slave, whatever you want they could do to you if you don't have a benefactor, if you don't have a family. Well, supposedly his family was the Quraysh family, which had a more powerful family. Uh, 
his father was very old and before his mother gave birth to him, supposedly his father died. And then uh, it says that his mother was very poor and we're talking about this we're talking about the parable of the tares in the field and we're talking about the mustard tree, okay? This is how one false religion got started here according to their records. Well, very, very rich people all the way through history, when a woman would have a child, she would not nurse that child. She would have somebody else nurse it for her. And the pharaohs all the way back, if you were wealthy, you you had a wet nurse. And uh, supposedly Muhammad had a wet nurse, one of the Bedouin families. And before he was taken into that family, that's this is according to the history of Muhammad by Ibn Ishik, the life of the apostle of God, the history of uh, Muhammad. This woman that was going to nurse him, uh, she had hardly enough milk to nurse her own children, but when she took him to nurse, a miracle happened. She had full rest. All the animals out there had full breasts, all of all of, uh, the cattle and uh, the camels and goats and sheep and whatever. They just started producing like miracle. And so they had plenty. But uh, they thought Muhammad was demon-possessed because he would go into fits. He had probably frontal lobe epilepsy is what was going on. And when you have that, you imagine you see things. Well, his family finally, that family that adopted him, finally took him back to his mother when he was about five to seven years old because they were afraid of him because they thought he was demon-possessed. And, uh, and then his mother died, and his uncle took him. And his uncle made a traitor out of him, supposedly, and he went to... Uh, Syria, Damascus, Syria, and different places, uh, made a few trips, and then there was a, a rich widow that uh, that sent him on a trip. And when he came back, he had made a pretty good profit, and she wanted to marry him, and she was about 20 years older than him, which was unusual at that time. Well, they had several children, and basically he went in retirement at that time and just lived off the wealth. He started being a, uh, a seeker. Supposedly he went up in the mountains, and, and he went in a cave up there, and uh, that, the, that a demon, he said a demon appeared unto him and tried to kill him. And this demon said, read, and... He said, I don't know how to read, and the demon would uh, strangle him almost, crush him. That happened three times. Then he took off and went down to his wife and uh, told her what happened. And she said, well, we'll do a test here. So he's in the bed trembling. He's sweating, even though it's cold. And 
And she said, I, he said, I'm demon-possessed. I'm going to be like one of the poets because the poets, the best poets were demon-possessed, supposedly. Well, she set him there on the bed. She sat on the bed with her, and she pulled her blouse off and exposed her breast. And he, she said, do you still see the demon? He said, yes. And so she started uncovering her legs, and she said, do you still see the demon? And he said, yes. And then she completely disrobed herself to where she was naked, and she said, do you still see the demon? He said, no. Okay. That was an angel, Gabriel, and you are a messenger of God. And that went on for a while, and then he got contrary to the rest of his family, and they were going to kill him finally because he was causing so much problem there in Mecca if it was in Mecca where this happened or if he even existed. Then he escaped down to Medina and he made a contract with the Jewish tribes there and uh, he, they even let him be a judge. And then he began to raid his own family and to rob and kill and steal, and that's the way they made a living. They robbed and killed and steal. His followers became uh, followers of the sword. They killed people. If you were a Muslim, you're okay. If you were one of the believers, if you had submitted, the word Muslim means to submit. It means to surrender. They say it means peace, but it doesn't mean peace. You only have peace when you surrender. He kidnapped his family, he, he extorted money from the other people, killed people, literally disemboweled people, uh, very vicious, very wicked ways. They raped and pillaged women. Uh, they would kidnap a woman, rape her, and then sell her back to her family. This went on for a while. Then finally he went to Mecca to worship something, whatever it was. And he took camels and they were sacrificing camels and they would take camels and they'd paint them and they'd shave them and they'd take them there and sacrifice so many camels to the to their gods. He was sacrificing to Allah, the big god, all the other gods, supposedly. He finally got in Mecca and then he took over the place and killed all of his enemies. Anybody that would speak against him, he would ask one of his followers, can you go bring their head to me? Anybody that disagreed with him got their head cut off. And before he died, he declared war on the whole world. That to bring the world under submission, under Islam, or totally destroy the world. A religious war started right there. But we forget now we have Catholicism declaring war on the world. If you don't become a Catholic, we're going to kill you. We're going to slit your throat. So here we have two wicked units, two wicked entities fighting with each other across the Mediterranean, back and forth, killing, 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 killing. And here the Baptists are in between all over the place. They're called by many things, but they're being killed too. Catholicism banned the Bible, banned the use of the Bible, banned the the, uh, the reading of the original language in Greek and Hebrew. 
And if you had one page of the Bible, you would be burned along with the page. They'd use the page to start the fire. And you'd be burned at the stake. They tried to destroy all the Bibles. Islam and Catholicism both tried to destroy the Bible. But we still have some of those old manuscripts. This war that went on is talking about the mustard tree. Now what comes and dwells in the mustard tree now? Who dwells in the mustard tree? Let's look and see. This is smaller than all the other seeds. When it's full grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree and the birds of the air. Now, over here in the parable of the sower, we find out the birds are devils. So all of the heathen devils, all of the demonically led leaders are resting in the mustard tree. Resting in the mustard tree. Verse number 33. Now, we don't have anything good in this. In this parable, there is nothing good in it. Nothing good. There was nothing good in the mustard tree. There is nothing good in the parable of the leaven. Leaven is always looked upon as evil in the Bible. And the false religion uh, is looked upon as a woman bringing in false religion. Who brought in false religion into, into uh, Israel? Who was the woman? Jezebel. Jezebel. In the book of Revelation it talks about the woman, the great harlot. The woman, the great harlot, is the mustard tree. The woman, the great harlot, is the woman that hid leaven in the meal. <clears throat> he spoke another parable unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now the kingdom of heaven is not like leaven it's, it's, itself, but the kingdom of heaven has been permeated with leaven. which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. In the world today, if you go to college and you study church history, you're going to study Catholicism, the Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church is a mustard tree. If you go and study church history in any Islamic world, you're going to study about Islam. Islam is the mustard tree. Islam is the leaven in the meal. Nothing good about it. All of the false religions that, that many of them cro cropped up here in America when they finally had freedom of religion, your Seventh-day Adventists, your Jehovah Witnesses, your Mormons, all of this all started from freedom of religion. Jesus said, don't go out there and bother those tares. Just leave them be. Catholicism killed every Islamic person that they could find when they were in power, and Islam killed every Christian or Catholic that existed when they were in power. Or you had to pay ransom. You know, in New York City and Philadelphia, Chicago, a lot of Italians came from uh, Sicily into this country over here, and 
Many of you people have seen the movie The Godfather. That's what happens, pretty much. And they went in and they would they would demand protection money. Jizya is protection money. Wherever Islam is, if you believe in anything besides them, you cannot openly worship God in your own conscience. And you have to stay, pay money, take taxes to stay alive. Every colony in America, in the America, was a state church colony until Rhode Island. Roger Williams Dr. John White petitioned King George let them found a colony where there's freedom of religion. Where when you go went and lived there you didn't have to pay a tithe to the state to support that church. Rhode Island was a Baptist colony but the Baptists didn't make anybody tithe to them. As a matter of fact in many Baptist churches if you came in they didn't have an offering. You only made offerings. You only paid tithes because you were a member of that church. Anybody else came in and visited, they didn't. They didn't take up an offering. Now we do that. You know that's a Baptist tradition. Now send the offering table played around three or four times. But back then, only if you were a member of that church could you support that church. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables and he was not talking to them without a parable. These were secrets to the uninitiated so that what was spoken to the prophet might be fulfilled saying I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. The secret sayings of Jesus. This is it. These parables are the secret sayings of Jesus. What a story. The story of false religion. These parables introduced you to false religion that would exist all the way to the end of the church age. Over here. And then we have false religion established as a church state in the tribulation period. And then we have the Lord of the harvest coming back at the end of the tribulation period to weed out the tares. There will be some true believers at that time. All the true believers will be raptured at the end of the church age, but there will be true believers that believe during the tribulation period. And they will be the ones with the Jewish people that go into the millennium. No more mustard tree, no more leaven. Just truth in God's word. Our Father, we send this message out for your honor and glory. Please use it. Please open the eyes of people. Let them know this is church history, a prophecy of church history. In Matthew 13, when it talks about the mustard tree and the tares and the leaven. Father, please forgive me where I fail you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.